Welcome to another episode of Dr. Dallas Unleashed. And we actually have a great, a surprise guest on today. Yes, we do. Angelica, do you know who that would be? I'm thinking I do know who it is. We have, drum roll, Dr. Miami. Hey, man, Michael, uh, Dr. Miami, please say hello so everybody can uh, hear your voice. And uh, Hello! There's, there's the, the famous Dr. Miami coming right out of, uh, right out of uh, Miami today. <laughs> and uh, so we're really happy to have you here. You yes, know, Dr. Are. Miami is famous worldwide. You know, he, um, he's really the one, I think, that kind of introduced, uh, you know, plastic surgery to social media or yeah. one of the starting pioneers of that. And very thankful for him doing, you know, that because a lot of us who ended up getting into it, we can thank him for uh, kind of showing us the, the way, the path, you know? leading the path. And, um, you know, he's on Snapchat. He's on he's on Instagram. He's on YouTube. He's got his own podcast. Is that right? Don't forget TikTok. TikTok. TikTok, Yes. We played with that a little bit. It's so fun. Um, fun. We've seen some of your all stuff. It's really great. It's fun, right? TikTok. It's super fun. You get lost and down that route for hours. I know, I know. Yeah. I feel like I watch it and I start watching all these college cheerleader girls start doing all these like songs and you know, they're flipping around, cheerleading yeah. stuff. The algorithm must Best. know you well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. So uh it keeps showing those to me. But uh no, it's been really great uh to kind of see Dr. Miami, kinda talk to him behind the scenes. But um, you know, we have a, a lot of questions for you, yeah. uh, Dr. Miami, and I just want to get right into it. Um it. you know, I've seen uh this penis surgery yeah. that you started oh, uh doing. You and really are going right for it. Yeah, we are going right I, for I, it. I, I want to know what what got you interested in doing uh penis enlargement surgery and the kind of the the controversy that surrounded it when you showed your first uh, surgery on, uh, I believe, Snapchat. Um, wow. So I first, well, I have a penis. So <laughs> that yes. is true. I'm aware of the anatomy. Um, and, and secondly, the, re- the way I found it was there was an, uh, an article in a, an online magazine called Mel, uh-huh. which is like an, was like a, it's like an online magazine for men that was started by the founder of the Dollar Shave Club. Okay. I guess he made like millions and millions of dollars and oh. had something, you know, as like a hobby. He started this magazine. Right. And they, they, they sent him like a questionnaire. What do I do before I go to sleep at night? You know, I told him my whole net nighttime routine, et cetera, et cetera. And they made like this funny little article and they sent me a link to it. And I read it quickly and then I noticed the very next article was about this penis implant. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? That's a thing? And so I clicked on it, and it opened up, and it's all about Dr. Ellis. And now he, and it's goes this whole story of, like, I think they called him, like, Big Randy or somebody. <laughs> Big uh-huh. Randy apparently is like a nudist. Okay. And, uh, and, and in the nudist colony, they call him Big Randy. Right, of course. But he wants yeah. to be bigger, Randy. So he oh. goes through the thing, and he gets to be enormous. And he tells the whole story about going home on the plane from L.A. wearing gray sweatpants. And all the all the stewardesses are giving him extra attention and everything. Oh. I thought, wow. I'm like, this is for real. Um, and then I started googling about uh, about it. And so I read the article, and I told Rosie. It said, Rosie we got to get a hold of this guy and see if this is legit. And uh, he was real nice, Dr. Ellis. And he said, yeah, 100%, this is legit. I've done 4,000 of them. We just published a paper. We just got FDA clearance for the device. I'm like, are any plastic surgeons doing this? He's like, no, no plastic surgeons, just urologists. He had trained maybe like two or three urologists. He was this like lone wolf out in L.A. working on it since 2002. Oh my gosh! Awesome. He's been in practice for a long time uh, doing this. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's 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 like he's been in practice like forty years. I mean, he, he's like you know, he's I was in late sixties or so. He's like yeah, um, and he's a urologist in in L.A. and he was the head of urology at Beverly Hills Hospital or whatever, Cedar Sinai or whatever, and um, and he's been doing this kind of like on the down low for years and perfecting this implant. Yeah, and. Uh, and so I said, can, can I come and see you do it? He said, sure. And I went out, uh, I watched him do it. And, and so I said, look, can I put it on the Snapchat if I watch you do it? I said, sure. We put it on the Snapchat and it just like blew people's minds. <laughs> Gosh. 
You know, uh, you know, Amber, our office manager, it blew her mind too. Yeah. And she talked oh, to her yeah. husband. I yeah. didn't know you could turn a penis inside out. Yeah. I, mean, I remember reading right. the article in Mel and they described inverting the penis inside out. And I right. thought the reporter probably just doesn't know what he's saying. Like, right. He just used the yeah. wrong word. But no, it, that's what they do. It, isn't just, that weird? I mean, we're, we're plastic surgeons right. and... I've never seen that. And until never I saw it's crazy. It's not like we get trained to do penis surgery. And, we do, um, no, but we, we do. We do. You know, I mean, I do circumcisions all the time. Sure. Yeah. Right? So I know the penis, you know, but I didn't know you could flip it inside out. <laughs> Angelica like knows penis. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm just yeah, joking. But she know you could flip it inside out. Right, I did but, not know, know that you could do that. You don't want to do that on a awake person. No, I Angelica. don't. That's I not do a, not. But, but <laughs> let me tell you that that whole inverting the penis thing. That's a game changer because until now you have to make incisions on the, you know, like on, I always thought making it on the skin of the penis right. when you do injections. Exactly. So like there's always the pot that like, you don't want a penis that's scarred. Yeah. You know? yeah. Exactly. And you don't want, and you don't want the implant exposed, right. you know, like if the if wound breaks down or something. Exactly. But it's Cause so then you're going to get a penis that's, you know, scarred down and it might turn left or right. Just mm-hmm. like, just like someone's golf swing, right? right. Short and crooked. Well, well you know what? And you, you know don't what? want one of, the reasons, <laughs> one of the reasons he started doing the implant to begin with was for uh Peyronie's disease. Cause exactly. a lot of people were, were turning one way. And so the implant was designed in, initially to stretch it forward. Right. And it works like a charm. Anyway, so I went down. I, I watched the penis surgeries. I uh, Snapchatted it, and uh, he said, "Look, you know, if I can I can train you. You can be the first plastic surgeon to do it because right now there's only like a couple of urologists doing it." Right. I said, "That'd be fantastic." And uh, it just uh, just so happened, uh, like it, literally the next week, we had a hurricane in Miami. Uh, or was heading for Miami. What was it called? Right. Dorian. Dorian was heading for Miami. Oh. And I and I kind of, I told my wife, hey, can we go to Beverly Hills to get away from this hurricane? <laughs> and she's like, you want to see that penis surgery again, don't you? <laughs> I mean, if we're getting out of town anyway. So we went there and I watched him again. And yeah. uh, and and I guess spent a few days with him. Right. And then, uh, and then we set up uh, October 24th. He flew it here. I found a patient, a great candidate. Right. We did, and I did it. And uh, now I'm just waiting to see how the results, like, you know, the long term results right. pan out. And before I open the floodgates. Sure. You know, before it's like, uh, you know, we have a carousel of penises right over here. I want to right. Well, sure. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Miami, who's, you know, it just got me to thinking now, who's a good candidate for right. a penis? And what do you call it? It's not penis surgery, it's a penis enlargement, elongation. Yeah, it's, it's so, it's really. The really how it should be marketed and sold is as a cure for shrinkage. That's okay. really what it is. So in so the like, in the flaccid state, you're going to be longer. In the flaccid longer. state, you will always be like you will never have shrinkage, like full on shrinkage. Okay, which is a big problem. You know, I mean, sure. Seinfeld talked about it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a <laughs> I thing. Saw that. It's a real it's, thing. It's a real thing. Angelica, don't laugh. It's real. That, I mean, that maintains <laughs> your length at like, all I'm, times. I'm, but it also obviously adds significant girth, sure. like inches of girth, right? Oh, wow. Whether flaccid or erect, because this the implant itself takes up space. Now, over time, the weight of the implant also gets you gains in erect length, right. but that can vary on the person. Right. Um, but we know it does because if you if you measure where the initial incision is in the suprapubic area, right, um, you come back two years later, according to Dr. Ellis. And that incision is lower. Yeah. And I've seen some patients post up years out, you know, through uh, FaceTime and whatever and online and they, it, it works. So, right. um, it, I, I think it's just the beginning. I feel sure. like, I feel like it's an area of plastic surgery that's been neglected. Sure. And I think it's the potential, the market is huge. Um, and, and, uh, and I feel like it's, it, it has the best chance of being like a long-term effective solution up until now. And the reason I never really did penis surgery is because the fat injections tend to be kind of lumpy and sure. unpredictable. Yeah. The, yes. um, and it doesn't do anything for flaccid length. Angelica's then, like, yes, I yeah, know. The I know lumpiness what you mean. and penises. Have you seen a lot of fat <laughs> injected <laughs> penises? The hyaluronic Angelica. acid injections, increased girth, 
but yeah, it doesn't last that long. It, again, it can be, it, it can also be lumpy. And, and so, um, if and someone, then, let's and say, then, and then the, the last yeah. thing is you're, you're cutting the suspensory ligament of the penis, right? Which was like the standard uh, way to lengthen the penis. It changes the angle of the dangle. So, like, <laughs> when you get erect, it doesn't go up. It just kind of goes straight and down. Okay. And that that's not like it's not great, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, so this, this kind of solves a lot of those problems. Um, so and the some, other thing about the implant is you can always upgrade it. Like if you don't like it, you take it out. Right. If you want it bigger, you can, once the skin is stretched, you can go back six months or a year later, put a bigger size in. Yeah. Yeah. That um, makes the sense. Only, the only yeah. thing is the only, the only like downside that I see right now is that, that you're kind of limited by the size of the head of the penis, right? Yeah. There's no way to augment the head of the penis. Um, so if you guys, you or Angelica come up with a way to augment the head of this, that would solve the problem because we can increase the girth, like almost to the size of a Coke can, you know, or a, Coke, wow. a, a can of Pepsi or something. Wow. But if the head is small, then it kind of looks like a penguin, this huh. big fat body, with tiny little head. It's going to look so, crazy. No, cause the head of the penis, it's, it's not, it's, it's not That's designed true. the same way as the shaft, the head of the penis it's like, it's like there's no like plane there. It's like just a super vascular, spongy thing. Plus the urethra is in the way. You know, it's not. Yeah. yeah. I think. I think. I. I, I mean, I have. We have a thought. We, me and the boys in the OR, we're talking about hooking up like a back to just the head of the penis and just <laughs> use vacuum suction. To right. Just, I, I think that would so kind like, of give you a little pump. temporary bigness, right? But that that no, vacuum. Not temporary. If you keep it on for like six weeks or six months, I mean, I'm sure it'll. Yeah. You know, just by expansion, I'm sure it'll work. Sure. I think the next. I think the next step with penis lengthening is going to be some, some kind of um, continual str- internal stretch. You know, yeah. like the way the way they do it for, um, well, for any kind of expander. Yeah. You know? Yeah, a place where um, you can that, inject that fluid or be, air. That oh. needs to be des- designed and and then brought to market, and that that's a long process. But maybe your grandkids will have that. <laughs> so if you take it out, it's just gonna be like floppy. Yeah. What happens oh. <laughs> if you don't like it right. and you remove it? I, I would assume that no, things would shrink. Back to your old penis. Yeah. I mean, you don't like you don't touch lift. the uh, the uh, uh, the corpus at all, like the cavernosum right. all there. So you got you have exactly what you have. You would just have this like. Think of it like a breast implant. If you take out the breast implant, you'll have like a pocket yeah. of uh, like a capsule. Right. But that's it. You know, the rest of the penis works the same. Yeah. I mean, maybe that skin will slide a little bit because you'll have like a capsule that's smooth. But Well, maybe uh, once, once you get a few more under your belt, uh, Dr. Miami, I think I might have to go down there. What do you think about bringing penis surgery to Dallas? I think you should. I think it'd be a big I hit here. Yeah. Well, ah, that's once, I get a few more, once I get a few more in my pants. Right. Get, get a few more inches <laughs> in his pants, then uh, we'll, uh, we'll go watch that and, and bring it down to the Dallas area. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're saying, there's not a lot of people. It's just urologists. And I think a lot of urologists get training when they do prostatectomies and, and there's yeah. issues with uh, having erections. They're doing stuff around the yeah. penis just to, to allow them to have an erection because they have no more nerves. Yeah. Now, well, yeah, they, they do stuff like, you know, like up until now, the penis implant. When you say penis implant to a urologist, he means one of those balloon things. Right, exactly. Right. But they actually like core out. They actually just extract all the good, you know, corpus tissue and replace it with balloons. Right, right. And don't you pump it you up know? like with a testicle that serves as a uh, sort of like pump yeah. up? Yeah. yeah it's Interesting. Like the, it's like those uh, sneakers that used to pump them up. Yeah, yeah, I remember those sneakers. Angelica, <laughs> any questions? Or you feel pretty, pretty good? But yeah, I'm pretty good. I know your man doesn't need anything oh. like that, so you're good to oh go. Listen, everybody could use a little more. Yeah, it's like, you know it's like saying, "Yo, he's too rich." Just more money. <laughs> <laughs> you could always use a little bit more. I, yeah. I agree with that. But um, well, that's that's good. I, I'm interested. I want to yeah. see more uh, with with that with Doctor Miami and yeah. kind of see how that well, goes. You know what I was going to say is the urologists, although they're they're skilled technical surgeons their practices are generally not set up to deal with elective cosmetic sure sure so that's kind of like why i think there's a huge opportunity for plastic surgeons we know how to explain things yeah how to you know how to how to sell and perform elective surgeries it's not something that urologists usually do so right 
I think it's a, it's a natural fit for plastic surgeons. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, because yeah. they're not talking yeah. to patients like we do when we talk about breast augmentation, um, right. tummy tucks. Right. I mean, we can right. we can handle that cosmetic aspect where some of these guys, majority of their practice is probably insurance and dealing with those people. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and, and prostate cancer and, yep. and, and, and urinary yeah. issues and the, even like their whole like the way their practices are set up, the waiting room, the the patient flow right. is not like it's not like set up for cash pain. Sure, uh, aesthetic patients. Yeah. What that well, means. before we, you know, it's going to sound like a penis uh, podcast right. before we're done. But I had some uh, other things I wanted to ask you, uh, Doctor Miami. I think uh, a really great story that I know that you and I have talked about, and maybe Angelica hasn't yeah. heard this before, but uh, maybe you can kind of tell the audience, like, how did you get into Snapchat? Because I know a little bit had to do with a family member introducing you to something. So maybe you can kind of tell us a little bit about that. No, no, no. I was, I, I had been, uh, you know, I was just meditating one day and uh, thinking about how can, I can reach my inner genius. And I said, <laughs> Snapchat, that's, that's the thing that's going to catch on and that's going to be it. That's that's the whole story. So uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that. Um, no, seeing... okay, I'll tell you the real story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, the real story is um, uh, I got into social media. I really shied away from social media. In fact, um, I had a very lame Instagram page, uh, an even stupider <laughs> Facebook page. Um, I had a website that had before and after pictures, which I was very proud of. Right. We worked on that website since 2002, just keep making it. And we had like hundreds of before and after pictures. I thought it was like the biggest collection of before and after pictures anywhere in the world. I was so proud of that website. Right. And we had a lady come do laser hair removal for us. And she was like, what, 23, 24? And she said, Doc, you have to get on Instagram. And I'm <laughs> like, why does she know? Yeah. She doesn't. What could she possibly know? I'm not going to listen to her. And and then and then she had like thirty thousand followers. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Of, good for you. That's fantastic. But I, but I mean, for years, I just didn't. Really right. It. Then one day, a lady came in for a consultation, and she said, uh, she was very rude, and she said, "Your Instagram is stupid." Oh, and, oh no. that's intense. Uh, that's kinda... my Instagram only had like two hundred followers <laughs> or something. I, I didn't post anything on it, but like <laughs> you know, like nothing, basically. Right. And uh, she said, why don't you post your before and after pictures on there? That's all I care about. And I said, why don't you go to my website? It has hundreds of them. Right. She's like, I don't go to websites. <laughs> and what, what, year, I mean, what year was this? This is 2014. 2014. That's like the start of like social yeah, media The start age. of kind of really Instagram she, yeah. people. She said, yeah, actually, you know what? I, I actually have a vague recollection of when Instagram first came out, 2010 or 11 or something. Oh. There was a, a, a high school kid that had like volunteered here and went uh -huh. off to college. He came, his mom had been a patient, and he came back and he said, "Doc, you should get on Instagram. Everybody's on Instagram. All the colleges." And again, I was like, "Okay, college kid, whatever." <laughs> um, so I mean, I could have potentially been on that way earlier, right. but it took. Right. It took like three or four stupid, you know, stubborn people to, to make me actually do it. So anyway, the point is that um, the lady who told me my Instagram was stupid did not book surgery and I never oh. saw her again. Right. But, but I went home that weekend and I thought about what she said. And so I took my uh, before and after pictures from my website and I put them on Instagram. And lo and behold, almost like magic. <laughs> uh, the Instagram account went from nothing to a thousand. And I remember we had a, we had a weekly meeting and I would say, guys, I think if we play our cards, right, we could have 10,000 followers. <laughs> wow. By the end of 2014. Or <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we can do it. And, oh my gosh. Uh, and we just, I just kept posting every day. Like very consistently, like a, right. a, an inspirational speech, a funny thing, and a before and after picture. And it grew to almost 90,000 followers. Oh. And I was so excited. And the girls in the office were just all excited to come to work and, and be on the Instagram and just whatever, just right. comment, like, and post. And then I woke up one morning and the Instagram was deleted. Deleted. And, wow. Yeah, I, I had made a, a joke about the Kardashians. It was val Valentine's Day. And I made a, a joke about the Kardashians, and then 
and got deleted the next day. And I thought, gosh, those Kardashians are powerful. I'm like, wow. how can yeah. they delete my account? But then what? I realized it wasn't that. It was that we actually had like a nipple slip on one of the uh, pictures because oh. we put emojis on the before and after picture. So that account was deleted. I was depressed. The office was depressed. I went home. My daughter, who was 15 at the time, uh, said, uh, you know, what's going on? Why are you so depressed? I said, my Instagram account was completely deleted. She said, Dad, why don't you try Snapchat? At yeah. that point in 2014 or whatever, 15, 15 Snapchat was very, very, very new. Right. Uh, only thing I knew about it was an article I'd read in the Wall Street Journal about it. Uh, being used for sexting. Exactly. Oh. That's what I thought it was. No, yeah. not yeah. always. Did you use it for sexting? I didn't. You I did didn't. not. Okay. No. Um, but in 2014-15, that, that's basically what it's known as. Right. A sexting app. So when my daughter was 15, told me that I should use Snapchat, I was a little bit concerned. But then she said they have a story feature. So, And the story feature had just started. Right. The story thing. And it was the first app to have that, you know, to have like a story thing. Sure. So um, I went to the office. I told the girls about it. It happened to be that first day. Uh, I couldn't use the app, by the way. It was absolutely indecipherable. Right. It was complete. It was like a puzzle. Oh, uh-huh. my gosh. You know, it was all swipes this and swipe that. I yeah. could not figure out for the life of me. I, I could barely sign up, Yeah. you know. Uh, but. Uh, that first day there was a girl having surgery and she uh, was like 19 or 20 and she knew what Snapchat was. And so I just, you know, added a line to our consent form for Instagram, social media to Snapchat. And she signed up and she said, sure, I'd love you Snapchat. We Snapchatted it. I went home. Uh, we had 1800 viewers. Wow. wow. And I, right. So, but see, t- I was not impressed with that number because we had gone from 90,000 right. on Instagram right. to 1,800. It still felt like a failure. Right. But then upon further reflection and discussion, um, we realized that it's a lot harder to get 1,800 people to watch your Snapchat because yeah. there's no search. The only way people would watch it is if they told their friends. Right. It's like all word of mouth. It's like right. a truly viral thing. You can't pay for an ad. You can't mm-hmm. boost it. You can't right. search it. So I, I felt it was worth doing again the next day. We did. And it like, again, 2,000, yeah. then 3,000, 4,000. And then by like the end of the month, it was 100,000, then 200, a million. It was like insane. Right. And then um, the inst- and the Instagram account, we kind of ignored actually for a while. And it just kind of grew on its own that year, right? Ignore it. I mean, I ignored it. Maybe Rosie didn't ignore it. But I, I got excited about Snapchat that it's right. all I... It was definitely secondary. So I just focused on the Snapchat and then, and then the, um, from the Snapchat, um, you know, newspapers and, and, and TV programs called and nightline and, uh, all the other jazz, hullabaloo. all the hullabaloo. Right. It was great. And, then, um, and it, it's a, it's and a little I, bit I of knew, a, I knew, yeah. I knew I was onto something when I stopped at a traffic light, uh, about six months into it and I was picking my nose and a girl, in the car next to me was pointing at me and excitedly pointing at me and rolling down her window and saying, it's Dr. Miami. It's Dr. Miami. Oh my gosh. So I took my finger out of my nose and I realized <laughs> and she, all she wanted was just to say hi. Right. Right. Strangers, when strangers start to recognize you, then you know it, that it was, it was, you know, more than just a marketing thing. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, just to see it grow like that, it's a little bit of a, an adrenaline rush to yes. see that, you know, you're doing something that so many people find so fascinating. And I think it just goes back to, you know, I tell a lot of uh, people that beforehand and, and my, you know, Dr. Miami and I have discussed this, it's sort of, it was very taboo to have plastic surgery. It wasn't something that you told your friends about and it was hush hush. But this is almost lifting sort of the curtain behind the scenes. And there was such yeah. an appetite for people wanting to see what we were doing, that we're not trying to yeah. hide something. People yeah. were proud of having surgery, right. and I think it was really great because right. in the end, we're we're educating people. I mean, and I'm sure Dr. Miami gets this too, but I have so many people that, that come in and say, you know, I understand what the surgery was. I didn't really understand. That's what made me so scared of having right. surgery. Right. So we right. were demystifying some of the scariness of surgery that, hey, listen— 
normal, healthy people can come in and do just fine because you know how it is. You know, right. people just hear other things from other people. They hear the scary stories and, and uh, oh my goodness, did you hear about this person? They had a bad result. But you can see good, healthy, uh, consistent results by looking at Dr. Miami's, uh, my Snapchat. And it's just, right, it's right. really, really great. And I think it's been such a change for people. And, and I think it, a lot of the establishment, it took a while for them to come around, but now oh, everybody's yeah. doing it, right? Yeah. Everybody's, you know, and, and like, like you said, it demystifies, it educates, and it, it's completely changed. I feel social media has completely changed the way people in America and around the world talk about plastic surgery. Sure. It's, yeah. It's like, like night and day, like from, from 2007, 2008, um, you know, when, when my book came, my, that my children's book came out, right, it was right. like all controversial that mommies are having plastic right. surgery. And now can you do that to your, now it's like complete reversal yeah um yeah. and it's something people talk about openly and honestly and sure. and uh it's it's really a great time to be a plastic surgeon in that regard you know absolutely and, and that kind of brings me to the other question you talked about your book i think it was a uh, 2008 2009 when you published uh yeah. the i think it was called my beautiful mommy is that correct my beautiful mommy and uh you know received you know like you were saying uh some uh, you know, some criticism about, you know, oh, yeah. moms having surgery and cosmetic surgery. But I, I just wonder, and what's your thoughts about if that were to be a published now, what sort mm -hmm. of reaction do you think you would have gotten from a book like that? I don't think it would have raised a blip on the radar. Right. On, right. Uh, it, at, the, at the time, it was like, yeah, at the time, plastic surgery, like you said, was very hush hush. Nobody wanted to talk about it or admit it. Let, admit it to anybody, let alone your own kids. Right, right. Um, but, you know, when I when I wrote it, it was mainly as a um, as just something to, to, to give to my own patients and just to, you know, uh, you know, just because I saw a yeah. lot of kids coming, a lot of uh, moms coming in with their kids right. and just lying straight to their kid's face. Right. And the kids were just terrified right. when their moms came home with bandages and looked funny and different or whatever. So this was kind of a way to ease them into the conversation. Right. Um, but I, obviously when it came out, people thought it was like a children's book, like Goodnight Moon. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's very, very specific target audience. Yeah. It's like, uh, good night, moon. Good night, yeah. socks. Good night, good droopy night, breasts. Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> good night, Here come the perky ones. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's weird because, you know, we're now so desensitized with the things that we see on Snapchat. I, I totally yeah. agree. Something like this wouldn't even uh, create would a lot of ripples, you know? Yeah. And, no, and, uh, and I the best part of that book, the best thing that came with that book was the uh, mocking of it on uh, on Colbert on the Colbert Report. Oh, really? <laughs> that, was, that was so funny, man. That guy's funny. Right. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that's. I mean, but it also shows kind of you know. I think Dr. Miami's sort of <laughs> yeah, right. My even prettier mommy. So anyway, <laughs> but my dad left me for my even prettier mommy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> The mommy that went, my, my mommy left me for the mommy in that book. <laughs> That'd be a whole series of books, right? It's a whole uh, series. Yeah. But, anyway. But, um, no, yes, that's... but you're right. The culture has changed. Uh, society's attitudes towards plastic surgery has changed dramatically. And it has to do with, like you said, educating them. People yes. being able to see behind the curtain and, and take away the mystery of it. Right. Um, yeah. Also, prices have come down, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think it I think was the only, recession. Yeah. The recession of 2008 had something to do with it. Sure. Um, and and again, just the the popularity of it, and and uh, the fact that um, celebrities were admitting to it, it yeah. just changed the whole landscape. Yeah. I think making plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery affordable to the masses, you know, yeah. and I think yeah. that's what you've kind of introduced too. And also, yeah. um, you know, our older population many years ago definitely didn't want to let anybody know. But now no. these people, you know, and I'm sure you get this, they wonder why, oh, why didn't you post my before and after picture? Why wasn't yeah. I on Snapchat? And I'm just like, well, you know, I get that a lot. It, it's it's lot. strange. Um, but in a sense, it just really shows you just kind of, you know, the, the generation that's a little bit younger so much more open to that which yes, is so are. much better because you know like yourself uh, angelica had surgery and there are people just like her who want those type of surgery breast augmentation is this see someone like yourself young healthy but has a great surgery you know it means a lot to that right. next person is watching it and is ready to come in and say hey i saw angelica do sure. it i can do it um she looks yeah. great and yeah it's totally different 
Yeah, I mean, everybody, a- everybody, um, you know, wants to know a friend that went through the surgery first before you do it to yourself. Right. And with social media, you can have these like, you know, quote, social media friends. You can watch them go through it. Right. And ask them questions and, and, and really, you know, get the, the lowdown. So. Right. It's very cool. educating for people. I think it's just, it's easier for them to see it and then know that they can relate in that way. And yeah. Exactly what to expect. And they, you know, right. I have a lot of people who come in who have never seen my website. Yeah. And have only seen right. me through <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. And it's so it's such a weird thing because beforehand, you know, yeah. um, people would look at the website. Oh, I've seen that you've done this and your training was here. Now it's not so yeah. much about like, oh, you trained here and you did this. You know, it's no, like because it, it's all about the before and after pictures yeah. and the stories of real people. Right. right. That it, and, you know, I, I remember that my uh, one of my attendings when I was a resident, he said, son, they don't call it plastic book learning. They call it plastic surgery. Right. You know, which, you know, which drove home the point that you can have a degree on the wall yeah. in the best place. And da, 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 but that in the end of the day, pa- uh, patients care about what you, you know, how you act, the results. Right. And how you treat them and all yep. those things. And all those things can be communicated much more effectively right. on social media than they can on a CV, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. it's a little bit where Dr. Miami and myself uh, can present a little bit about, you know, our bedside manner, how we explain things, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of people who come in and and I do my best to tell them, Hey, a tummy tuck is where this is where the scar is. I'm going to tighten up the muscles and they go, no, 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 I got it. I've already heard all that. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any any openings here? And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I have to tell you a little bit about the pros and cons and why you're good. They're ready because they feel like they know you and they like you. And they've heard you. And they've heard me 30 times. Yeah. And I've had patients come in to like, you know what? I'd do the operation myself if I could. I've seen you do the breast lift 35,000 yeah. times. <laughs> right, right. You know, you're yeah. going to use the cookie cutter. You use the number 15 blade. Exactly. 3-0, 3-0 PDS. Right. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. And they see me. <laughs> yeah. I tighten up. I just, they're just like, I don't know what they, you call that fire stick thing, but if I, but if we get oh, right, right. one, yeah, I'll take your welder machine and I'll do the same yeah, thing to the muscles. I'm like, well, it's not <laughs> right. quite like that, but you got the, you got the gist. They got so, the gist. Yeah. But, it's, it's, it's a thousand times, it's a thousand times more effective than an informed, than a, a standard informed consent form where it's just absolutely. a bunch of big medical words. They don't know what it means. And yeah. if you think about it, you know, us doing this on camera every day is kind of like a consent, you know, although we don't have a signature, sure. they're getting sure. to understand. Cause I'll talk sure. about like, Hey, you know, I'm going to remove the skin and this is why I do this to minimize dog ears. But you know, if you do get a dog ear, we can fix it. Right. You know, right. they're hearing right. about all these things. And then when I show right. people's post-ops, I'm like, right. you know, if I could have done this a little bit differently, I would have done this. So right. I'm really right. talking right. them through like, you know, I would have done this maybe a little bit differently, or I'm really super happy with this. Um, They actually see an honest surgeon talking about great results, okay results. It's not, it's not magic. You know, it's not like you wave a magic wand and boom. Right. Right. So, but uh, the other thing I wanted to ask while we have you, you know, obviously WAGS, which is the World Association of Gluteal Surgeons, you obviously have founded it. Um, maybe you could tell a little bit of people why you founded it, what's sort of the mission statement behind it, and, um, you know, the purpose behind it in general. Sure. So the World Association of Gluteal Surgeons, we call it WAGS, uh, the, the mission is to educate surgeons and the general public as to the safest way to do the Brazilian butt lift or the gluteal fat transfer. Right. And we felt there was a, a big need for it because there's been a lot uh, of bad um, information out there, sure. um, both to patients and to surgeons. Um, there's some deaths that have occurred here in Miami, you know, not in my practice, but in other practices in Miami, right. um, and all around the world, in the Dominican Republic, Colombia, Turkey, um, yeah. It got so bad that the the surgeons in England have, if not really banned it, but like they've like shadow banned BBLs right. in England. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. Um, and and so it turns out that the Brazilian butt lift can be done safely with a certain type of technique and certain types of instruments, but the demand for the operation outstripped the supply uh, of surgeons that were trained that way, right. and the amount of information and confusing information that was put out there to the public it, people were not able to to discern what was the safe way and what wasn't the safe way so um wags mission is is purely educational it's a non-profit group 
Um, we have a uh, hundred and how many? 158 surgeons in 34 countries. Yeah, that's amazing. Including including me, including you, Doctor. Including me. Yeah, including you. Yes. Um, and so basically, the the the, the questions uh, for patients that need they need to know is that they need to ask is, and the facts they need to know is that the fat needs to be injected uh, under the skin and on top of the muscle. Right. You cannot inject fat into the muscle or under muscle because underneath the muscle. In the butt area, the gluteal muscles, there are these very delicate veins, and they are fairly big. They're like almost the size of my pinky in diameter sometimes. And if you tear those veins and inject fat in that area, the fat can be sucked into those veins, go into the central circulation, end up in the heart and lungs, and cause tragic consequences, including death. Right. So um, a, a lot of surgeons, when this operation was first developed in the early 2000s, were taught to inject into the muscle. Right. Turns out, not a great idea. Right. And the plastic surgery community just figured that out in the last three or four years. But getting the word out to every surgeon everywhere, and the reason it's international is because you know a, a bad outcome or a death anywhere in the world uh, obviously is a tragedy. So right. we're trying to we're trying to bridge all borders um, and all levels of training and experience. It's not just for board certified this or a right. experience. We want every surgeon that's ever thought about or is going to do this operation to know the right way to do it right same time any patient that's considering this operation want to make sure they know to ask the right questions they can keep themselves safe right and and i think you know you touched on it just there it's it doesn't matter you know uh who's i mean there's a certain degree of you know who's doing the surgery but if you're going to be doing the surgery to understand how to perform it safely right it's not just under the purview of a plastic surgeon but if you're whatever your training is at least understand the concept whatever it is right to do it safely half half the deaths half the deaths in the largest study that looked at these operations and the deaths involved where half the deaths occurred in board-certified, yeah. experienced yeah. plastic surgeons. So, so plastic surgeons are immune. The wall that keeps the patient safe. And it's not the degree on the wall that makes sure that the surgeon is going to do it the right way. The only way is to, is to ask the questions and to make sure they're actually yeah. doing it. Uh, you know, blunt tip, large bore, blunt tip cannulas and staying right. above the muscle. And so that, there are, uh, you know, and so... Hopefully, the more surgeons we have that get involved, the, the farther and more wider the message can be spread. Absolutely. I had a patient today. Um, she was she wanted liposuction, you know, all the way around her tummy, but she was thinking about a BBL. But she goes, her worry was that when her, in her research that. Um, a BBL procedure had the highest mortality rate of any cosmetic procedure. And I go, well, how did you, um, you know, hear that? Was that something that you learned on online? Apparently it was a friend. And I asked her, well, do you, do you know why, um, you know, people are perhaps, uh, if they're not stunned correctly, they're dying. She didn't really understand why she just knew the scary part about BBLs. You may die at a higher rate than having a tummy tuck. So I explained to her a little bit about what WAGS is trying to promote and what we do here in Dallas in my practice is putting fat in the subcutaneous space, meaning above your gluteus muscle is the safest right. place. Because right now, at least with our information available, just like Dr. Miami said, putting that that uh, fat in the muscle, you have a higher likelihood of da- damaging the veins. And that's where yeah. you get the, the fat that goes into the central circulation and can have disastrous complications. When I told her that, she seemed so surprised. Like, oh, so that's why. She didn't know there yeah. was a distinction. So there's still a lot of misinformation and confusion among the public and uh, and I think that's why it's important that uh, Wags is out there promoting you know whoever's doing this to do it safely and not to just put fat wherever. The interesting thing right. is I also heard from her that she had a friend who went to Colombia. Mm-hmm. That they actually made, so Columbia has the same access to the information. It's not like they're on an island, but this particular surgeon, I'm not saying everybody in Colombia, made this patient sign a consent. I am going to inject fat into your muscle. You have a higher, higher, higher likelihood of dying if I do this, but you will not sue me if this happens. Sign consent. And oh, wow. I just said, wow, that's nothing you could get away with here in the United States. You know, a, a consent like that would probably be thrown away in court. But in Colombia, you know, you still have. And, and, and even here in the United States and across the world, the people still inject. I don't know, Rosie, can you, pay, can you sign a contract for somebody to kill you? <laughs> Is that legal? Right. Can't even sign a contract for somebody not to sue you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, no matter what. Yeah, so that's wow. that's interesting that, wow. you know, there was a consent like, hey, I know it's almost like the surgeon kind of understood that it was a higher likelihood, but he felt it was important to do it. So anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it, it, you know, there, those people are playing with fire. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but I don't think the rate is one in 3,000, like right. that paper said, one in 3,500, but it's, but it's not zero. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. And, and it, it's, it's definitely, you inject into the muscle, you're playing with fire. Yeah. And, and if, if it's one in 5,000 or 6,000 or 7,000, I, I don't see where that makes sense to do. Yeah. How do you think people actually sign the consent? Well, th- apparently this patient's friend did. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, this is all hearsay. Oh, people, people will sign. Listen, people do crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all we all know that. I mean, the, the, people get those illegal butt injections in back alleys right. and hotel rooms. Easy. And they die too, you know. Yeah. So people do it. People do stuff. Well, um, Dr. Miami, I have a, another question kind of walking away from uh, our WAGS discussion and, and maybe a little sure. bit more lighthearted question. But, um, you know. <laughs> Plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery, however you want to label it. What do you see in the future? You know, kind of what's the next big thing? I kind of feel like penis surgery might be the next We're big thing. We're going back to the penis. But, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do you think I'm that's the next penis. best thing? The next I think big that's thing? The next big thing. Oh, wow. No pun intended. Yeah. Oh. And it's the penis <laughs> is the future and it's growing. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I like that. Um, you know, if you were to ask me that, I, I feel like, and I get this question all the time, I don't like my legs. Can you liposuction my legs? And I just find that that particular surgery is so fraught with you know, issues with dimpling and, but I, I do feel like people want to have legs that they see on the, on the red carpet. Right. And I don't know if we had the technology to kind of make someone who's got maybe a, a thicker leg to make them look like a thinner leg or a thin leg to look thicker. I don't know. I feel like we're lacking in the leg sort of area. What do you department. think? Yeah. Uh, Rosie is nodding her head and almost welling yeah. up tears in her eyes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like we're lacking on, you know, because just leg. liposuction by itself is not, I, I think, the answer. But, you know, I think it's going to be involved with a little bit of technology, with some liposuctioning. And who knows, Aren't you know? There, like extra muscles we could take out there? Exactly. Like I was no, thinking I mean, someone with a really big thigh, you know, do you go well, and I mean, remove a... flaps and things, right? can't we just go in there and pull out some muscles that you don't need? Right, right. So, you know, I get women who want me to liposuction their calves and ankles and, you know, to a certain degree it can help, but gosh. Calves and ankles are, are they're fraught with danger, but yeah. you know what I find after you lipo them, you have to tell them you need to wrap their legs for six months. Wow. wow. Six the months. feet all the way up. If I do anything below the knee, yeah. I make them wear compression stuff and wrap from their feet all the way up to their thigh for six months. Yeah. Wow. I, I have not had success with that, so I tend to move away and tell someone, you know, listen, I, at least in my hands, I don't feel like it can give you a good result. But I think, um, to me, tough. that's the next, uh, maybe maybe it's a penis surgery. Penis first. And then, yeah, penis yeah. first. And then the penis. legs might be the next frontier. Right. Perhaps. I don't know. That's maybe just like me. toes or you got me thinking. <laughs> toes. I'm going to think about that. Right. Um, so, uh, you know. You've been in practice for a while, many years now, and I, I, you know, me personally, I'd like to see what you think, where you would be in maybe the next five, ten years. Where, where do you see yourself? <laughs> Good question, right? Retired. Yeah. Retired. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like my next job, I'd like to be a philanthropist. That's right. my next, yeah. <laughs> ultimate goal. So, um, so I would say, I don't know, in 10 years, it's so hard to predict. I mean, man. I would like to be doing nothing but penises and labiaplasties. <laughs> oh my gosh. As you far know, as the eye can see. I, I think uh, I hear fine. you on that because, you know, and I, 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 I tell Angelica that all the time. You know, I think about, you know, my lifespan is, is doing the things that I'm doing now, which is liposuction and BBLs and breast. But, you know, I, I don't think people understand that it's, it's very, it's very physical. Very yeah. And uh, very your physical. neck hurts, your back hurts. And yeah. because you're doing something very physical, at, at some point, it's not very mental, but it's just kind of um, mental, or I guess, what do you call uh uh, muscle memory and you're just yes, doing it over and over again it's 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 very demand the surgeries are long they're yeah. demanding physically yeah. mentally emotionally there's right. a lot i mean it, but can you do it forever you know what i mean can you right. do it until you're 70 yeah i don't know i don't think and so. that's like where like doing let's say a penis surgery 
um, yeah. a labioplasty. They're a little bit uh, less stressful on your they're neck. They're way less your stressful. Back. They're shorter yeah, in duration. Like- yeah. Um, you know, the, the follow-up care, all the other aspects that go into the surgery are, you know, plastic surgery is a young, a young man's game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that's why you don't, as I get older and sail off into the sunset, you know? Yeah, I Um, I totally agree. I think about that, you know, all the time that, uh, you know, I can't keep up a certain pace where you're liposuctioning and sweating and right. you know, your back hurts after a long week. Um, you, you see me, yeah. I kind of crawl out of the OR on a Friday yeah. and Your I'm sure like uh, Dr. Miami kind of feels the same. He, he probably is yeah. a little better shape than I am. Intense. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's tiring. And then, you know, he said something that I think a lot of people don't really understand the 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 implications of it. But there's an emotional investment in all your patients, and everyone just like you know, you want the best for your patients, and there's nothing. And they're not patients; they're like adopting kids. Yes, yeah. yeah. And when That's I ha- when I have a, a patient, uh, you know, I, I tell the girls and Amber, you know, I. I don't do this necessarily because it costs this much and I can make this much money. I honestly could live with just being able to pay, you know, certain bills, but my currency is someone saying you changed my life. I feel so much better about myself and I could live off a compliment for like three months and then not sleep for five. I mean, your wife will leave you, but you could live off. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, when someone says they're not happy, you know, that, that ruins me for, you know, like the next couple of days. No, it's like, yeah, I know we're, we're very look, plastic surgeons in general, where uh, we we tend to be more on the perfectionist side, and also right. we're very, you know, nobody go, nobody becomes a surgeon uh, if they don't enjoy hearing praise. You right. know, it's like, yeah, that's our love language. So yes. when you when you <laughs> when the lack of praise is like it's like taking away our oxygen. Sure. Yeah. And a, crit- and a and a and a criticism is like sucking the oxygen out of your soul. Right. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's a big part of it, and and you're right. Like the the smaller the operations are less they're less emotionally taxing. Right. Right. So, you know, we're definitely I feel very similar in that, and uh, you know, hopefully most surgeons will think similar. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not just doing it for the coin, for the scratch, for the car, for the house, but right. that really. Well, I think, I think most I think most surgeons are just like us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just doing it for the patient. There's a few better. outliers. You right. know, with bad reputations, they, they, they give the one bad apple spoils the whole batch, but that mostly we're all like this. Sure. Right? Exactly. Um, you know, I wanted to, to ask, you know, with all this social media, what do you, what do you see as maybe a downside, sort of a negative to this growth of social media and everything's out there online? Any downsides to that? Maybe not. Yeah, not really. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I mean, other than other than the fact that people can waste hours and hours and hours yeah. of time, I mean, it, it's a, it's you know it's a kind of a time waster for a lot of people. Sure. Right. I mean, if it doesn't have to do with your business um, or your livelihood or your education, then the rest of it is just pure entertainment, and it's right slightly addicting, and so you can definitely waste time. Yeah. But I mean, look, I I, I feel like there's a, there's a other ways to waste time too. So. Sure. It's just, it's just competing for that. Right. I mean, I guess you could be, you know, shooting up uh, crack or oh heroin, my gosh. smoking those marijuana reefers. You could and- be smoking marijuana. Right. Yeah. Smoking. I mean, if, if you had, you know, yeah, a reefer or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, magic mushrooms. Or right. Or you could, you know, look, I remember in the 80s before the internet, people were playing with Rubik's Cubes for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> right. I'm not sure that was that much more productive. Right. You know? So what's a little bit of Fortnite and looking at Dr. Miami's Snapchat? You know, that's right. a good that's a good night, good Saturday night for a lot of people. So yeah, um, I don't I don't think the I don't think the internet has ruined the world or anything or social media. Yeah, but it definitely gives you more options. You know, for wasting time. So I did want to ask one thing. Um, okay, Dr. Miami, what's the strangest or like craziest thing a patient has ever asked you? So the straight the craziest strangest thing was a lady came in with a friend she wanted a labiaplasty and she had her friend pull down her pants and she said i want my vagina to look like her vagina oh my gosh <laughs> only she didn't say the word vagina okay. oh okay she she yeah. used the um the P. let's say the, the cat, kitty word the kitty word the yeah. kitty word yeah. yeah 
And that was weird. That was weird. Yeah. Because weird. most people come with pictures. Yeah. They don't come with an actual model. model. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That is, so, well, the, the next version of that is like, I'm coming with my friend. I want my penis to look like his. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that is probably going to happen. Actually. That's the next. Yeah. Think about it. yeah. The no, next. I won't be a surprise when it does. You'll yeah. be in a lot of different photos, too. Um, um, also, last thing is, you know, how do you balance your work life and family? You're pretty busy. Um, well, I've started taking Fridays off the last Ooh. two years. Yeah, that's nice. That's a, that's been a game changer for me. Yeah, huge, huge difference. Right. Just Good. taking Fridays off because you have uh, you have how many children? Five. Five. Wow. So that's not one or two yeah. or three. Five <laughs> is a whole different level. Yeah. And I don't know how you guys manage that, but I can uh, only thing. imagine uh, having Friday off. And then you have what? Saturday, Sunday, typically Saturday, off? Saturday, Sunday. You know, I'm an Orthodox Jew, so I take the Sabbath. Right. So um, so like we don't have any electronics or anything from Friday night till Saturday night. Yeah. So that forces the family to kind of get to know each other and sit together and and uh socialize and and uh you know just eat and hang out so that's a that's a big for me that's a huge thing right because I, I if we didn't have the sabbath i think that i probably wouldn't know my teenagers like at all because <laughs> they would just continuously be on Fortnite and and their electronics <laughs> and whatever so, yeah and, um, and but, i think uh you know, that's really important because, you know, we share stuff on Snapchat and I show a lot of stuff with, with my wife, Dr. Rejuvenation, uh, and my two children. And we get a lot of people who actually come to us because they say, you know what, I'm a lot like you. You know, I, I work during the day, but I also got a family. I got to run around with the kids and drive them to soccer and, and, and they, right. can, they can relate to that. And, and yes. they actually feel more comfortable with me that sure. I, I go through the same pressures of trying to be not only a good doctor but i'm trying to be a good husband a good father and um you know i'm not perfect and uh, i'm not there for every game or soccer game but i'm doing my best and i think just seeing you know people seeing that you know i'm doing the best that i can with what i have they really relate to that and i think that's the same with you you know i mean family is important and you're probably getting a whole segment of people who go, you know what? You know, he does see that as a priority. He just doesn't see me as another number and, um, and really enjoy that about us. And, uh, it really, yeah. So can I ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I I know you work with your wife. How's that work? Well, um, yeah. So Dr. Uh, Nguyen, uh, N-G-U-Y-N, she's uh, Vietnamese. Uh, That's where we get the uh, last name. She's a urogynecologist. And so that means she trained in OBGYN. And uh, she deals mostly with kind of pelvic reconstruction. Well, what does that mean? So women who have usually had children who have uh, urinary incontinence, they leak urine when they laugh or cough. She's doing surgeries to kind of tighten up that pelvic area. But she's also doing labioplasties, cosmetic labioplasties, and cosmetic tightening of the the vagina. And uh, so we, we share the same office, and we see each other every single day. And uh, yeah, what's that like? So, what is it like? I, think I mean, I see my wife every single day, but I go to work. You know, yeah. I don't see her for a little while. I mean, people ask that. I, I think it's it's freaking great. You know, she's like a boss lady. She she, she is. is. She kind of runs the show here, yeah. but she's that's okay. Boss lady. See, yeah. that's it. So see, 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 that's the thing. My, like I like in my home, I'm like vice president. I'm not even vice president. <laughs> I'm like. Maybe, maybe Secretary of State yes. or something. Speaker of the <laughs> House. Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House. But like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like fifth in line. Right, you right. Know, uh-huh. In succession. But at the office, you know, I feel more like a boss. Right. Or to, to Rosie. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm second in command here. Right. But like, so, okay, so you go to work and she's still the boss. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. No, so, he's the boss cool. too, but. You know, at least, like, at least you don't have to ever have, you don't ever have to make a decision. So that's good. Right. You know, I think there's, <laughs> there's. To, you know, <laughs> you just follow orders the whole time. It's good. You know, uh, there are times where I, I try to, you know, assert myself, but I know when to tuck my tail between my legs and just bow down right. and say, happy wife is a happy life. Yeah, that's right. So that it's awesome. exactly that way. And But, you know, that's it's that. a wonderful relationship because at the very end, we can see each other. We have lunch. We have a, t- yes, you know, that's cool. unlike mm-hmm. where... 
you know, as someone who's not married to someone in the professional field, I can tell her, you know, listen, I had a day in the OR, didn't really go the way I wanted to, kind of was right. tough. She can relate to having right. a difficult right. surgery, maybe a right. hard patient to manage. And uh, right. so that right. sort That's of true. be able to, to communicate that sort of thing and her empathizing. But like, she's also like a therapist, too. Correct. Yeah, yeah, you guys work well, very, very well together. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it, it's been a great relationship. Um, and I'm, you know, uh, I couldn't ask for anything more. So, so far, so good. Yeah. My Dr. Mayhem, I'll let you know if anything changes or any <laughs> advice. Uh, but uh, so far, so good. Just keep doing what she wants. Right. I think it'll be, be fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, I, if anything pops up, you can call into my podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, We'd love we'll to. to. We'd love to. So, you know, I, I kind of want to wrap things up. But, um, yeah. you know, I wanted to give a little praise to uh, Dr. Miami because we yeah. met how many years ago? Dr. Miami, probably about four years, almost four. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say that, uh, you know, you're an OG. You're uh, one of the OGs. Yeah. The the originals. But, um, you know, I would say I've learned so much from Dr. Miami because, uh, you know, one of the things is if you ever really listen to Dr. Miami and hear him talk and, and I've heard him talk behind the scenes on camera, but you know, one of the things I really admire about you is that, you know, you, you never say anything bad about another surgeon. And for some reason, as surgeons and plastic surgeons, whatever, we tend to want to, oh, well, that person isn't so great. You should come to me. But I've never heard that from Dr. Miami. And I learned so much because I feel like we are trained to do that sometimes. Right. Like why I'm better than you. And it's, it shouldn't be about why I'm better than you. It's like, what can I learn from you? You know, everybody right. has something special about what they do. And yep. I can learn from that person uh, who didn't train in plastic surgery, who might yep. have trained in, let's say, OBGYN, but they're That's doing fair. wonderful surgeries. And, and it's really changed the way I thought about other specialties. And very um, true. You can learn, what you said is right. You can learn something from every surgeon. Right. And so every I, I want to thank Dr. Miami for, for teaching me that because unfortunately, even in our, in our specialties, plastic surgeons, not only are we kind of trained to be like, okay, we're the only ones that are supposed to do this. There's a lot of infighting, like, I'm better than you and you're in the same, you know, it's not about that. And, um, you know, if you want someone who is really going to give you a consistently good surgery, someone who's not going to talk bad about other people, you know, it's someone like Dr. Miami who people like me, you know, have really learned and I don't do that. And, And even though I was sort of ingrained to do that, I don't do that anymore. And, you know, I thank Dr. Miami for teaching me that. And uh, I learned not only that, but a lot of other things, you know, technical surgery You're going to make me tear up and cry. (laughs) But I think that's... No, because, you know, as you were talking, I I remember watching other surgeons do that when I was training. And I remember thinking... I'm never going to, I never want to do that. I right. never want to sound like that guy. I never yeah. want to, I never want to be, I'm a, I, I once had a, I once had an attending, he had what I called insulting Tourette syndrome. <laughs> right. You know, I never, I never want to, I don't want to be like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate I you. I want to the good in everybody. You know? Absolutely. And that's, that's what it's all about. You know, I mean, we can learn so much from each other and, you know, even from someone who, and I think we tend to look at someone right out of uh, practice, like, oh, okay, they're just young. And, but man, they might have learned something really cool yes. and really interesting. Yes. And I yes. still can learn from that person who's like six months out of residency, just yeah. as much as I can yeah. learn from someone who's been in practice for 30 years. So, uh, yeah, I, I thank you. They may, have, they may have just trained with somebody who was in practice for 50 years and they, yeah. and they, you know, they, and they gave a little pearl that, you know, you never heard. Exactly. So, uh, again, you know, I just want to say thank you for, for teaching me that because I've changed a lot of how I I do things based on you and and how I just treat people and especially people who are doctors, you know, and, um, you know, I appreciate that. And hopefully people that see you and other doctors who learn from you also do that because there's just too much, you know, pointing fingers, why this person is good. And, you know, we need to move away from that. And like you said, it's just about, you know, surgeries that are safe, you know, ultimately we serve a higher purpose, which is the patient. It's not ourselves. It's the patient. So, right. Um, right, right, anyways, right. sorry, true. enough uh, pontificating <laughs> about this. No, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you, you expressed it very well. And, and yeah. uh, 
I hadn't thought of it like that, but it, you're a hundred percent right. Well, these are little things I picked up along the way and uh, I'm glad I'm able to tell you, but, um, you know, we're running uh, short on time. Dr. Miami, thank you so much for, for joining so us. And, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, really, I, really of nice. course. We're probably going to ask you, you know, somewhere down the line, we'd definitely love to have you. Yeah, have you Maybe back. some other topics, get your thoughts on it. Sure. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Dr. Miami from Miami. <laughs> Angelica, thank, thank you. you for joining us. I'm thank Dr. You. Dallas. Thank Bye, you for guys. joining us for another podcast. See you later, Dr. Miami. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.